Retriever Group's podcast series, Talk Retail to Me, where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries. If you're new to Parker Avery and this podcast, we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience, both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry. Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Ravery Group, we invite you to visit www.parkravery.com. We often hear that our clients have solid training programs for their associates and stores, but don't have similar official strategies in the home office. In today's remote or virtual environment, it would be really challenging to follow a shadowing or OTJ model to transfer knowledge in areas like planning, merchandising, supply chain, or product development, not to mention your IT team. Retail corporate training needs to be more formal than it may have been in the past yet be able to capture and share what we often call the art behind the science in many of these areas. A lot of times training materials show you the clicks and points of systems and tools, but they don't teach you how to interpret the results. And that's something that's challenging in a virtual environment. This week, I'm joined by retail experts Carrie Habel, Luann Villasor, and Kathy Toll, who have all recently been partnering on a number of Parker Avery client projects focused on organizational design, change management, and training. Hi ladies, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Let's get talking about some training strategies. Have you guys seen any strategies and technologies that have been explored or adapted by retailers making the move towards more comprehensive remote training? This is Luann. Some VR training like virtual reality pieces I've seen pop up as well as investment into more trainings around Zoom, you know, and how to do that, you know, teams, rules and restrictions around, you know, how to hold meetings, like mute your microphone. When you ask a question, be on video, that sort of thing. So it's more the etiquette and then also the investment in the technology to get others kind of used to that um, virtual world. So this is Kathy. Carrie's had some experience using some different software programs that transfer really beautifully from in person to online and remote training that we will be leveraging more and more, particularly this year. I was just actually building a little bit earlier today. Last year, we you know, were in the middle of a pretty big initiative and they had a new global demand forecasting and replenishment solution that was being introduced. So we had new processes, we had new roles, we had new teams. And then of course, you know, we were, um, thrown into the deep end like the rest of the world with the pandemic and we had to change the learning strategy like midway through the project and it was very uncomfortable for everybody obviously you know everything that was going on in the world was and so our learning strategy really really shifted from more you know hands-on face-to-face meetings and trainings um, to very much a virtual uh, learning strategy so it really centered around three things, and for one, for one, they hadn't done a lot with like e-learning, but that was like the one thing first that we decided to introduce to them was e-learning. So we didn't do like a full course, but instead what I did is I, I built some kind of micro-learning for them, like 
just little bite-sized courses kind of throughout the project. They were real rough courses, but we, we really took the time to do that basically and get their feedback. So they were they were learning, but also becoming the experts and giving feedback on those particular courses. So we introduced that, and I used um, Rise 360, which is a really, really user-friendly like platform to be able to use. You can literally, you know, you can update with um, PowerPoint. You can create lots of different kind of marketing pieces and things like that too um, with it. So we did these little courses um, in e-learning for them, which was again new, but they, they loved it and they were having a lot of fun with it. But the second thing that we did just from a remote standpoint was we created an adoption team. That way we really have you know that ownership mentality. So instead of just having them be the learner, they became like the adoption team. So they became the experts. They were teaching other people. So kind of transition to that. And then the third thing we did that was different is we had um, virtual mentors. So, and that didn't come until after the project, but, at, you know, towards the end, but we created virtual mentors. So these experts really had a team of people that they were mentoring. So they would do like okay. lunch learn sessions and, you know, things like that, that were really fun and engaging and um, they could really learn from one another. And I, I left it really in their hands to be able to do so. These mentors, like we, we brainstormed on a lot of different suggestions and ideas, um, but they really took it and, and ran with it with a lot of different ideas that they had. So um, they, you know, had specific topics or um, subjects that they would have to go through, um, but they used kind of their own way in terms of the venue and. Yeah, so there were some really creative things that came out of that, but really helped to empower them. So those are some of the things that we did to kind of transition from like the traditional learning strategy of train the trainer and, you know, and workshops and things like that, hands on to a virtual environment. And I think it went pretty well. So two follow on questions to that, Carrie, if you don't mind. One, who is responsible for updating any of the content as they learn more about the processes going forward? Because we all know. You walk into a client mm -hmm. and you ask them, hey, can I see your training materials? They haven't been updated in 10 years. No one's accountable <laughs> for updating and everybody's chuckling, right? right? So is there a plan to keep them updated as they learned from? Yes, yes and no. So, they're, um, so they did have an LMS system that they were using. So they did have a learning and development team that would go in and update um, the particular courses. The courses that were created in general were very much um, project focused. Um, they could be used for any new person coming on board just to kind of get them up to speed on the project and, and understand kind of more of the, the overall processes and concepts that kind of went into the project. Um, so to answer your question, sort of, they could, they could come back to us and get some updates, you know, for sure on those particular courses, but it followed like their path, I guess, their learning path, and some of the things that they already had already established. So I worked very closely with the learning and development team. So they, they knew, um, you know, how to make some updates, but were a little tentative. So I mentioned I had a second question, and I don't want to leave people hanging on that, but you answered it, actually, because it was about <laughs> new hires. How, how do you manage them with the existing systems when they come on board six months from now? What is the process for them? Heidi, I think early on, Carrie said something that is so critical and so misunderstood in the learning and development world is they had a learning strategy, not a training strategy. Training and learning are two very distinct things. And Heidi's starting to smile because this is my soapbox topic. <laughs> 
<laughs> oftentimes we hear a manager say, you know, my person went to the training and they don't understand their job. That is just the cost, depending on the type of training, is as adults, we need time to absorb, learn, do, practice. So what Carrie described had different prongs to it. So there, there were informal, formal, and a, most of it was virtual, which is probably not ideal, but let's be realistic from a cost standpoint, is much more user-friendly, and also from the environment there we're in right now made the only sense that it could. But I think that's critical is not only to have people trained, air quotes, used, but then to have that sustainment and follow-up and to get it really embedded into their long-term memory and their use on a daily basis. Yeah. I think uh, I like that you had kind of made that um, the, the difference in those two words, actually, because I, I think about you know, learning is not event-based. And I think so often, you know, yeah. like, I think, like, it's just, it's a training event. And it's like, learning happens all the time. And so a really good learning strategy incorporates so many of those different things. I mean, it can be anything from, you know, an actual, like, e-learning, or it can be about having conversations, or sometimes even it's like an icebreaker, you know, in a meeting could be a learning, you know, kind of a learning right. opportunity, I guess. So there's a lot of different opportunities, I think, to really create a learning strategy through kind of unconventional things or something different than a training strategy, for sure. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we often find when we go to retailers is that they have a comprehensive training strategy for the field, the staff in the stores. They have very, you know, 30-day plan, 90-day plan and goals and, you know, touch bases with managers. But we often find that they're lacking to some extent, in the corporate offices. Over the past year, I've met a number of people who were new to their firms, and they're like, yeah, I got nothing. So, Luann, do you have any thoughts on what would be the first step to develop a comprehensive virtual training program? Well, I think, actually, the first thing is everyone needs to align on what that strategy is. Like, you got to pick a light. So, um, for instance, you know, all the corporate execs and that triple trickles down to everyone else and the trainers, like understand what path you're going to choose for the training organization and then embrace that. And also like be behind it, like cheer, you know, (laughs) cheer for it. Because if they don't feel it coming from you, they're not going to feel it when they're actually taking these courses, you know, and also to that point, inform everyone of this kind of transformation, you know, this kind of digital transformation into the virtual world. And, and tell them what's to come, like keep them informed, be agile about it, be quick to, to change it and say, hey, if, if this is not working, like get, get that feedback. But if it's not working, then change the course, you know, and be quick to do that. You know, I, I think a lot of those things would help organizations to develop a more comprehensive and focused virtual path for that type of program. I saw a question from a female employee of a company where she was hired into a firm during the pandemic and in the first six months of her tenure she spoke to her manager once which is unforgivable one of the things that we often do for our clients is come up with a communication plan or a communication strategy kathy do you think it would be a good idea for new hires to be developing with hr a communication plan for themselves 
like month, weekly touch bases with the manager, introductions to their mm-hmm. partners, that kind of stuff. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. And as I'm was listening to Luann, I'm thinking in corporate environments, especially within retailers and some of the wholesalers we work with, because there are specialized positions, we all know there's onboarding, right? It's like, here are your benefits, here's our values, our mission, all of that good stuff. But when you go into a role, there's nothing really aside from the person that used to be sitting next to you and now they're virtually sitting next to you. So putting together something, um, I'm thinking Carrie being newer to the firm, three, four weeks ago, I had chatted with her about weekly, like first given her, you know, it's like weekly schedule a meeting with one of the, the Parker Avery team and just to informally get to know and start creating relationships. A lot of though the ownness, if it's shared between the hiring manager and the new employee, that's the perfect match. It all should, I should not be dragging a new employee through their onboarding in a more specialized manner. And if I'm not getting what I need, I need to be going to my boss and saying, I need help X, Y, and Z. Who is the expert here? Who can I go talk to? Formalizing those structures is so desperately needed in roles like planning and merchandising. You know, when we think of the different marketing roles and store operations, you learn a lot by making the mistakes, which is not a great way to learn. No, it's not. Carrie, do you have any thoughts about what the first step should be in creating a virtual onboarding and training program for new hires? Yeah, well, mine might be a little bit different than what we've talked about, but I, I was thinking about how everybody is learning in their personal lives right now. And we are doing it through social media venues and mm-hmm. researching information and Googling and things like that. So I guess one of the things that I would be maybe interested in having individuals do would be to first find out, like, how, how are your teams learning today? Not just for work, but, you know, where are you gathering your information from? What, um, what vehicles are you used to using you know, there's some people that like to use their phone. Some people like to use an iPad, mm-hmm. their computer. Um, you know, some people are getting information, you know, in other, in other ways, podcasts, things like that. So really maybe taking a step back first and just saying, hey, what are the ways that you really enjoy learning outside of work? And, you know, starting there to really understand your audience and then being able to tailor those things based on really who your audience is. Yeah. It might look different for a, you know, a team that is, you know, 18 to 25 versus right. a team all over 50. So really being able to understand who that is and, and starting there. And it's interesting because I've been reading more and more about social learning. And what you just described, Carrie, is social learning and has been captured in a theory and, you know, all of an academia. It's an actual thing. But it's how we learn from peer-to-peer informally, and it's a preferred how we are fed the information is through our preferred channel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Is that Facebook? Is that face-to-face? Is that social media, Instagram? I don't think enough credit is given to that type of more informal interaction mm-hmm. because that a lot of learning can take place and people feel less threatened. In asking, it's like, hey, you know what, we're talking about it. I've never been clear on ABC. Can you, you know, I'd love your input. You seem like you've really got a good handle on it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so those more and more almost have to be embedded intentionally in an organization's the way they operate. Mm-hmm. It's more in, in the virtual world, particularly now, I'm reading a lot about intentional interaction because guess what? We're all sitting alone. <laughs> At least, well, I know Heidi has her doggy and uh, Luann has Yoda and I have my dog. <laughs> but right. we've, we've lost that ability to like just stick our heads around the corner or swing by somebody's office. So to create relationships, you have to be much more intentional about your communication, which means we need to plan it might be a virtual escape room, team bonding event, something like that that brings people together that's informal, but it has but it has to be done on a regular basis. So you're kind of planning fun, which I am not a big fan of, but we're at the point where if we don't do it, we will start to lose that interaction and that collaboration that we built. I think that's a really good point, Kathy, because, you know, I go back to what for all of us, we're all craving social interaction and it's wonderful to be able to, you know, do things like this. I think right now it's really important to ensure that those are things that are intentional. So for organizations to really be like intentional about we do need to invest time and resources um, into those types of things to build the collaboration and to make fe- people feel like they're still a part of something. Right. Because I'm just here to get the task list done. Like I'm still a part of this organization. I'm a part of the team. I contribute in a meaningful way and, and being intentional about activities and things like that, um, which I think aren't always top of mind, especially for executives. Right. It's the first thing that they want to be planning a happy hour, but those things are really important to do. One of the companies I have worked for, when I started with them, I did get the onboarding. Here's your 401k information. Here's your vacation time, that kind of stuff. And then they sent me to this website and said, here's a list of all the courses you need to take. Finish them in 90 days. That's one thing when you still have an office to go to, but in the virtual world, some people Mm -hmm. are not good at self-pacing. And other people get easily distracted, um, especially working from home where you may have families, you may have a baby crying in the background. So, you know, you have to, that social learning is so important. You can't just Mm -hmm. send people to YouTube and say, watch these videos and you'll be fine. One of my dilemmas is always, um, you can't tell people, adults, I'm going to preface this. You cannot tell an adult something and expect them to learn it. You can't show them and expect them to learn it. They have to do it. And so watching a YouTube, putting somebody in front of 90 days worth of webinars would be probably the least effective way to onboard somebody because it's so isolating. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, most of us are people that are used to interacting you know, with people. So who wants to sit in front of 90 days worth of webinars? And then they don't let you fast forward so you can go done, done, done. You have to actually go through them all. And then you have to take quizzes. They force you to do that. So you actually have to pay attention to them the whole time. (laughs) Yes. So Heidi, I'm curious. Did your boss, supervisor ever check in and say, hey, what did you think of A, B, and Z course? Tell me a little bit about what you learned. Not once. Never once. And, And the thing, too, is I think 
when I refer back to that occasion where that woman was new to a company and her manager hadn't spoken to her but once in six months, you really, a company also really needs to consider if a person is in the right role to be a people mm-hmm. manager in this environment. Absolutely. That they will bring their team along with them on the journey and make sure that they have all the resources that they need to be successful in their job because you're either going to lose them or they're going to get a poor performance review and it, it, it may not be their fault at all and then they'll be disheartened and depressed and feel like they failed as opposed right. to you know working as a collaboration. You know, one of the things, you know, when I started working at home remotely as a consultant, you know, and I, I went from being in-house at a fashion house and then all of a sudden, you know, I worked from home or traveled or whatever. That was a big transition for me mm-hmm. um, personally. And I found it very challenging at home to motivate myself to get up to start work. Um, because if I had dirty laundry or the dishes weren't done or whatever, I would want to do everything else. So one of the things I did for myself, and I, I actually continue to do it today, is I have a trigger. So my trigger is that I get dressed, you know, like change my clothes, actually get out of my pajamas. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I walk out and I'll go get a coffee or I'll make, you know, now I make a coffee. It's freezing right now in New York City. But, and that coffee, after I finish that coffee, is my trigger to start working. So that actually helped me start my day, you know, whether, you know, whatever it is for someone to read the paper and then close it and then start their day, whatever that trigger is, that's, that's what I found to be helpful for me personally. I had to do the same thing too, especially on weeks where I don't have project work because, you know, especially back in May and June when things were a little bit lighter, it was challenging to feel motivated. Mm-hmm. And so same like you, as I would get up, put on real shoes, and then my office is upstairs, and my husband would say, have a good drive to work. He would yell at me once I get to my office upstairs. He's like, is there any congestion? How was the traffic? <laughs> <laughs> and then I have a coffee, and then I start my day. So, I mean, it is getting – it's almost to the point of monotony, but it – It is. But it pushes you to, to have that I'm, – I'm a very much process-focused person, like A, then B, then C. So this it does help really make sure that I get started on the day. And Luann mentioned trigger. For all of us, most of our routines, good, bad, indifferent, there's a trigger to those. Similar to um, Heidi going into her office, I have a separate room. My dog knows if I'm dawdling in the kitchen, she walks into the office and she's like, tick tock, lady. (laughs) We should be in here. Not there. <laughs> so it's it's funny, but there I have a special light that I flip on in my office. That's how she knows it's 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 ready to work. You know, thinking even beyond our our typical retail clients, which may be things that are like grocery and apparel or um, vertical brands. There's a lot of other industries who are facing similar training challenges. Mm-hmm. When you think about Instacart. I think they hired something like 300,000 people last year, and they had to get them all trained up quickly. Now, the upside to that is a year ago, I couldn't get a pizza delivered. Now I can get anything delivered. (laughs) Do you guys have any, like, this is mass training. Mm -hmm. Any ideas on how, I mean, you can't just say poke at the app and figure it out. Any ideas? Because also thinking about 
resources coming off of furlough or people got furloughed and they didn't come back. Right. Got restaurants and retail physical locations where you have to train a whole bunch of new people. Any thoughts on how to train many people and ramp them up quickly? Simultaneously. (laughs) One of the things that I, you know, um, that I think is, I, I heard this acronym it's BYOD <laughs> so bring your own device yes and so like in the example of maybe the Instacart or I know I think it was um, Uber who said it was really important for them for their uh, learning and development strategy that they really considered like when and where are people going to be learning and so for like the Uber driver they might be able to learn something, whether it's like at the beginning or, you know, in the middle of their, their day, like they will, you know, potentially be sitting, waiting for, you know, their next, um, what would they call it? Fair, I guess. I don't know their next customer. Um, so they might just be sitting and have a half an hour where they can look at their phone and they can go through something quickly on their phone. So I think, you know, going back to like thinking about any time that we're creating, you know, any type of virtual type learning, think about the device that people will be utilizing. Um, so um, I, I think just that could help accelerate, you know, the overall yeah. learning curve um, is to really be mindful of that, that people don't always have that laptop that they can sit in front of and go through, you know, an hour worth of a course. So really being mindful of that. I'm playing in the perfect world now. Um, ideally in a situation like that, if you were able to have less than 20 people, but if you had multiple mentors, leaders, that were able to take a crew of people and at least do something face-to-face, meaning online, Zoom, what have you, um, to be able to bring them on board so that they had some sort of relationship building. Um, Years ago, when I was a regional field manager for a retailer, I had 14 stores and it was really hard to build a team because they were all in 14 different locations. So we started a picture where we would send a, hey, welcome, Luann. This is what she looks like. This is what she does. Those types of things, which for somebody that's doing like an Instacart and I, I'm a huge, I love Instacart. That's got to be a terribly isolating job if you don't have some sort of place or someone you can go to. I don't know if you're dealing with such a large group of people, everyone has a different rate of learning. Some you got to really start with the basics. Some, you know, might have some experience. Some may be well past that. I would definitely develop something that escalates or gets more intense or Mm. advances people quicker through the process of learning, you know, that works with them and actually makes them exceed expectations Mm -hmm. that that really, really grows with them. It's almost like an AI tool, but that would escalate with them as they get and have more intense situations that they have to go through or depending on what the training is. Ideally, that's what I would say. Are you thinking and maybe this is very basic, but learning 101, learning 201, learning 301 as people advance through what they're, what they're doing? Yes, but have those different steps, you know, mm-hmm. built in. Because some people will move through those basic maybe one and two really quickly, and they're on three or four. But, like, others, maybe they want to look at 101 again, yeah. you know, and go back to that one. 
I think it's really good to have those different levels. When I'm in a class training, I see it, but I can adjust, you know, to whoever I'm talking to or training, right? I can adjust that level. And you do figure out your super users very quickly mm -hmm. or your sure or your superstars, right? So so somehow we have to figure that out as well virtually. It's almost like um, testing out mm -hmm. of being able to test out of a course the 101. Now I can go to the 201, 301, where you're meeting the person where they are. Yes. And not dragging them personally when I am being taken through information that I know well. I get very frustrated very quickly because I'm like, I got it. Move on. Mm -hmm. I'm bored. I get bored. Yes. You need yeah. to engage with me. You need to give me something, challenge like, me a little bit. Yeah. Like stimulate my brain. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. What, one of the things we're definitely missing without that train the trainer kind of concept and having a room full of trainees is seeing the people who are obviously not getting it and seeing it on their face and seeing the other people who are like checking their phone because they're like, Kathy, I've got this. I'm good. Why don't we start to wrap up? There's another podcast that at the end, the host gives her guests their minute to the world for any last thoughts on this subject that we've been talking about. And I, I think it's a really great way to wrap up the content. So Luann, since you just brought us to this point, I'll let you go first. World, I give you Luann. <laughs> <laughs> My words of wisdom, let's see. Um, now, I, and I think it kind of, this is a good segue, engage and encourage, you know, make it fun, make it interesting, make it challenging encourage people, you know, keep, keep them active, uh, have little parts within the training where they're doing something as well, instead of just listening to someone talk about, you know, how to get through their day or this certain problem. And then just endure. Endurance is so important, I think, right now, because it's going to take a little bit longer to get that same message across that you used to do in person, virtually. I think you just need to be patient and just keep going forward and keep trying. Thank you. So now, to make it a little bit bigger, Galaxy, I give you <laughs> Kathy Toll. Oh, <laughs> a galactic reach. <laughs> the biggest piece coming out of last year that we learned is that there's a whole human being that is your employee. We've seen all of that blur. We had personal, professional, everything just got jammed together. And what I would encourage and remind people of is it's not one and done. Because you have trained somebody, as Carrie said, it's not an event. It is a continual process. And make sure, don't assume that because they're not in their head, yes, they know. Give them challenges, give them questions that they would be able to respond to. It's really letting people feel comfortable to say, I don't understand. Can you explain it again? We're not always great at that as adults, but I think we really learned that lesson last year is that people now are, you know, a, a little bit more forthright. Leaders are better hearing from somebody. It's like, uh-uh, that's not working for me. And I think we're better at voicing and asking questions and wanting to gather feedback. So I would absolutely say keep learning. Forget training, we're learning. And last, but certainly not least, universe. I can be Carrie. <laughs> All right, universe. 
Well, these are some of the things, I guess it's more of a summary of some of the things that we've talked about, but I, I think in the, the world of remote learning, um, don't lose sight that, I think Kathy said this earlier, that people learn best by doing. And so um, it will be really easy for organizations to quickly go to, well, you know, I've, I've, we've given it to them in writing, so they should, they should know. Um, people really learn best by doing. And so I would say, you know, there's lots of different ways to be able to do that. So as we had talked about e-learning courses, if you're building an e-learning course or a virtual course, make sure that you've inserted things in that are real life and that give them the opportunity to practice and apply and give feedback and, and become a part of the activity or the, the learning. But it should really be real life and, and making sure that it really does apply to their, to their role or to their job. The second thing, which I kind of shared too, was um, just insert a lot of different activities into the daily work. They had, I read somewhere recently, and I don't remember where it came from, that um, really people will only have about 24 minutes out of a 40-hour work week to do some type of a training or learning activity. So that's not that's not very much. But if you wow. can insert things, you know, here and there throughout, whether, again, it's like an icebreaker for a meeting or, you know, a little group session where they're brainstorming about, you know, you know, whatever the topic is, but trying to, you know, a fun quiz or, you know, things like that that you can do kind of throughout throughout is, is something I think really important. And then the last thing would be, again, what we had talked about is exploring the social learning. I think that is just so untapped. I, don't, I think we still focus so much right now on traditional learning venues. And um, social learning, I think, is is definitely um, untapped. So mm -hmm. the organizations that are really progressive and are are um, innovative are for sure tapping into you know social learning. So I would say explore that. It's scary for organizations because they want the control, but if you if you open it up, it's pretty amazing. Like what um, what individuals can actually bring to the table and really, um, you know, help with the overall intelligence of an organization when they come together. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your insight today. It's been a pleasure chatting and seeing all of you. And I hope you have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank, thank you. I So that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found value in the content and in the discussion. If you have any questions and would like to reach out, please feel free to visit our website at parkeravery.com. We also invite you to join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group.